All right, as you can see, there's been an update of two episodes talking about the Ukraine situation, right? And so the first one is information for you that you can utilize, that you can go. Uh, I've, I've done the research for you kind of thing. You can get basic information. The second one, which is what you're listening to right now, is commentary on that information. I'm talking to a close friend of mine that has close ties in Ukraine. I will say there are points where we interject our opinion it's only human don't let that turn you off there is good information here there is information that is backed up and i and i want you to feel like this is a safe space for you to voice your own opinions as well i will post links to everything if my notes are interesting to you i will um go ahead and put those out into the world if not no worries i probably won't but i will i will post the links we're going to jump into this uh recording we spend a few moments catching up a little bit uh, and then we kind of jump right into it and so like i said don't let anything deter you if you hear something you might not agree with just keep pressing on um, we don't get too deep into anything and i hope you enjoy and find this educational and informational so okay hey how's it going it's going <laughs> i can only imagine how you're feeling truly yeah, just all the things, all the like, is this really happening? I was, Wait, I was is just this about. Life? I was just about to ask you, does it feel like surreal? Is that what it's like? Yeah, it's and it's bizarre because it's like it's surreal, but also when everything was ramping up, I was like, this is it. I just feel like this is gonna be the one. So I was kind of expecting it, but even then, it was still like but it's 2022. Yeah, how can you how can you be prepared for something like war? Even when you know it's coming, it's like nothing prepares you for that. You should be commended on your diligence of spreading information though because <sighs> what I found out today and as I was ramping up for this and when you were like, "Yeah, I want to record something." I was talking to a lot of people and they were like, I just don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to look. I don't know who to follow, especially if they've never had um, any ties to like Ukraine or anybody there or anything like that. They don't know where to go. Um, yeah. And so I was like, they're well, probably not sure where Ukraine is. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so that's stuff that I want to talk about. But what I stressed is this part, this part for me is just information. You can leave here and go have your own opinions and that's great absolutely but you're gonna say whatever you want to say and i'm gonna put it on here because it's important and that's great and the all of these notes are just information you know like how to qualify for nato what's the un what's the yeah. eu because something that the u.s doesn't have to worry about is all of that basically <laughs> and yeah, which is why we don't know right <laughs> exactly and here's the thing the U.S. is a part of NATO, so we should probably know what the hell that means because it's actually a huge yeah. responsibility. <laughs> yeah. How many people actually know what NATO stands for? Like Exactly. Even though we're parts of it, we're, we feel so disconnected from another continent that it's like yes. what's happening immediately in our government. That's it. And I think that that's something that I picked up a lot, too, is when something happens in Europe, for instance, right, it happens to that whole continent. It doesn't just happen in that one country because they're so deeply connected. And I always mm. refer to the U.S. as a baby country. I'm like, we're a baby country because we... are so cute over here. I know. <laughs> we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. We really are. Totally. Um, and we're kind of, you know, we're, we were trailblazers at the time. And we still kind of are. We're you falling know? on our face sometimes. Sometimes we're walking upstairs. Yes. We're a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, but people like don't want to think that they're like we're superpower i'm like we are but we also are still trying to figure it out <laughs> yeah like are we a superpower because we're better because we had a lot of stuff and a lot of money a lot of big guns like there's a difference between a well-established rich history right and oh you won that's awesome right exactly and i feel blessed to like have that knowledge and know that when i go into situations because i feel like again europe has they're just so deeply rooted in their land and the people and there's something there's richness there that America's really not going to have at least for a long time <laughs> but yeah I don't know if you had anything prepared or if you just wanted to chat it's really up to you how you want to uh, go about this or if there's anything that's just like burning that you need to say <laughs> the floor <laughs> is yours <laughs> thank you well 
I mean, this has been a really easy thing for me to speak up about because it is so incredibly factual. Of course, I have a massive bias. Of course, I have people that I love there dearly, and I totally acknowledge that. But also, that's why it's so why everyone's getting behind Ukraine right now, because they are easy to cheer on. They have a transparent history from what we can see. Obviously, every every government has their secrets that they hide. I'm Mm -hmm. sure there have been atrocities. However, just looking at the history of it, I mean, they've had a revolution about every 10 years. Just keep trying to do the same thing. And so while it feels like this is, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's all happening right now. It's like, yep, that's the peak. It's been kind of building kind of that. And that's that's what was interesting to me with the Crimean War was when that was taken. It was kind of like, wow, Russia's. Oh, no, they figured it out. No, they didn't. They they took it and everyone said, don't do that. That's two and a half million people. You better watch it. And then we're surprised that it bubbled over yeah. into something bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though we all have this idea of Putin in our heads and, and the Olympics that were there and all the shady stuff that came out of then, it, it's interesting to me that it just caught everyone off guard. And I think that that's because it was Ukraine and people don't really know about Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the only reason that makes sense. Yeah, so tell me, tell me about the Ukraine you got to know. I would love to hear that because I know you post a lot of things, and but I want to hear your words too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when I first went to Ukraine, it was in 2013. I went and taught English there with a volunteer program. I was teaching usually either an after-school program or in a private school it was just kind of a pull you out of class, do 30 minutes, make a craft. And it was immersion teaching. So they send you all out there and you don't know any of the language and they tell you, don't worry about it. You don't need to know that. <laughs> don't figure it out. It's teaching kids, right? Like, it's fine. And the, the Ukraine and the Kiev that I experienced in 2013 is so different from what it is today. But they have a lot of the Soviet architecture still in place. There are Soviet building apartment buildings that are still being lived in they're not awesome conditions but that's how people live and they've just continued that on and so when I first got there that's what I saw was these Soviet apartment buildings it was September it was overcast it was rainy and it was like I don't know what I got myself into yeah I'm sure (laughs) I I wanted something different but I think I overshot it I don't know what this is and then the family I lived with they didn't speak any English really that a six-year-old that was in English classes and that was about as much as I got and I just still absorbed so much of the love and the care and and that was it was huge and I and I know people there had different experiences I met other teachers families that were in different neighborhoods or different situations but the family that took me in had three small kids I shared a bunk bed with one of their daughters is a little bit of a bigger apartment for there, but it was a two bedroom for that many people. Mm. So I still got to see kind of like, yeah, even where it is really, really nice, what we would consider here in the US as standard of care, standard of living, it's still very, very different. Right. But I had never felt more loved than I did at home. I had never felt more cared for. Like the babushka, the grandma would come in and, and because of, so this is a tangent, but because of Chernobyl, all of that generation around that six-year-old age mark you walk in the door and grandma expects you to strip your clothes and go get in the shower Mm. because you have to put those clothes outside you got to clean everything you don't want to bring any radioactivity and and even that was like 19 years old being asked to strip in front of a six-year-old woman yelling at you in russian (laughs) (laughs) even somehow in my head i was like this is because you care okay right fine i'll go along with it and so just that set the the laying and the foundation for everything. The woman that was my host mom, every single great friend that I have in Ukraine is because she connected me to them. Mm. She has a superpower. She's that person that is like, hey, you both speak English. Go be best friends. Right. Like, like can connect okay, people fine. really easily. Yeah. Yeah. Like even though her and I don't even have a ton of context for our relationship, mm-hmm. the ways that she's connected me to all different walks of life that it just grew roots and it was all so organic and so word of mouth and and they're all so genuine but every single ukrainian that i've ever met is what people are gathering from the news is what people are seeing of that resilience and the heart and the creativity that is still there every ukrainian i know makes art 
whether it's photography or handmade. My friend is an English teacher and she will whip out these crocheted bags and (laughs) just stuff that you wouldn't think of. And it looks like it would go on Etsy. And that's why a lot of Ukrainian products are on Etsy because they are so damn creative. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Cause I have through books and obviously media and things like that, I am like so fascinated by the world. I think every country has something like so precious to give. And it is Mm -hmm. just like an honor to like be able to read and be a part of that, even though I can't go over there or haven't yet, you know? And that is always something that I understood about Ukraine is like just the people there. They're just like a different breed from that's like always what I understood. And so I think it's really cool that the world gets to see that. Obviously, it's atrocious how they're having to learn that. But it's it's something that I feel like I've always known. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, they're going to fight back. They've always fought. Like their history, (laughs) even during serfdom and all of that, they've always fought. They've always risen up. They're resilient. Like because they've always had to be. It's literally in their blood. (laughs) Like, yes, yes. Just like it's in Americans' blood to go against the grain and be mad at the government all the time. It's be an individualist at <laughs> exactly. all costs. <laughs> exactly. It's in our like blood and nature to like be like that. That's why we usually totally. don't do well in other countries. <laughs> but hey, everyone hates us. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's that's exactly like it that's, you know, the same kind of resilience that the Ukrainian people have and I just think it's it's incredible and I know I've learned a lot through your posts as well and so thanks for making your uh page public I've shared it with like a bunch of people I don't know if any of them are following you (laughs) but that's okay well you know what we can't make people learn but if they have the resources and they choose not to that's on you dude you don't get to complain to me (laughs) exactly exactly so some people most people have been like thank you so much I don't know where to get information and the cool thing is is when you share stuff on your page you can see where you're sharing it from so then you can do your due diligence and go to those pages and check it out (laughs) Yeah, so, I am a massive believer in verifying source checking and making sure everything is open book. And be, I feel like that's the only thing that does it justice. Yeah, there is no reason to be taking screenshots and reposting public content that you can get links to if you can get it to a link, if you can get it to a page even like I have a telegram channel that's coming through and it's a constant feed of updates from Ukraine. Mm. And even though I'm having a constant feed of updates, I'm still not going to share about anything until I've gone. I found the original source I've verified and then we're good to go Right. because it doesn't help anyone to just massively post false information. And that second somebody is thinks it's fishy and it's confirmed that goes the whole issue, right? They are blind to everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's unfortunate but that's the, that's the best part is it's easy to fix. It's easy to be transparent on social media. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think right now some people have been asking me and maybe you can um, shed some light on this as well. Some people are asking me, they're like, well, whenever I Google it, I can't find information. And I'm like, for me right now, Google is not a good source right now because no. we're all trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And yeah. That's why I prefer right now social media um, because they're the fastest updating. You know, thankfully, Internet is still intact. People can get information out. So that's why I've been grateful for social media because it's like we would have no idea. So I don't know if you feel the same way or. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like it's. I, I hate I hate that I like social media. I hate how much social media helps because I want to hate it so badly. I know. But I feel like that's one of the biggest parts of this being so supported and so widely broadcast. You know, of course, a lot of that is that it's on a European continent. So they are getting that extra access. Mm-hmm. But you have a country of 40 million people, the large majority of whom have cell phones, have the information, have internet. And so to rely on Google for waiting for those news reports, waiting for everybody to get around to it and hoping that they'll care enough to do that. It's just not an effective strategy, mm-hmm. especially with social media leading social or news outlets right now. Yeah, It's what's everyone talking about? That's what we're talking about. Okay, we're going to go cover that. And it is easier to verify. It's easier to check up on. And it takes, you know, 10 people resharing correct information. It blows up so much quicker. 
yeah. than waiting until it comes across some one person's radar. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, and it just kind of hit me. I'm like, I was just thinking about about getting on social media just like today and yesterday and the day before and basically when this all started. And I'm like, no one's saying anything about this. And I'm like, yeah. I wonder, because they feel like it doesn't affect them. And I'm like, I don't think they realize how close we are to mm-hmm. <laughs> it really affecting us. <laughs> I don't yeah, think people, like it's a major issue. I don't think people, and I think it goes back to not knowing. The big one is not knowing what NATO is. I think that's the big thing yeah. that people don't understand. As disappointed as I felt about people not sharing anything, I'm like, you'll be sharing it eventually. Because in my opinion, <laughs> Putin is, um, he's a very prideful person. I think we all know that. He's a narcissist. Let's yes. just say that. Yeah. Yeah. He. What I've noticed is throughout this, he's just going to keep pushing until he he feels like he wins, whether that's a win or not. Yep. And so my Absolutely. worry is is he's going to push, 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 and something is going to happen either in his control or out of his control. Either way, it doesn't matter because he pushed it to the point. But something's going to yeah. happen where he does something to an ally, whether he knows it or not, and then shit's gonna hit the Mm -hmm. fan and I think that's Mm -hmm. people don't understand like what that means and so yeah the public opinion (laughs) seems to be I don't know really why it's a big deal like okay I guess like war's bad of course but it was because Ukraine wanted to join NATO right that was that's what I've been getting is a lot of people going I don't get it it's just because of this and me going hang on hang on hang on hang on there's a lot more to it and also you're yeah. dealing with someone who already has this well-established history like you can ask any american is putin a good guy they all know yeah like there's a general thing i don't know why but i know this so the context and getting all the context and understanding why and all the building escalatory stuff and the patterns mm-hmm. of his behavior that are very well established as yes. well yes if you're just looking at the one piece you're not it's gonna look ridiculous well and something people need to know is you can look back on past behavior because he's been in power for 22 years now. You, it's not <laughs> like a normal. Every time. <laughs> exactly. Every, every 10 years, like it's a clock. I will say I commend him on having goals and sticking to the goals. Like truly, that's hard mm-hmm. to do. And 22 years of it, like, okay, man, like you we get it. <laughs> ultimate narcissist villain, full focus on your own power. Right. <laughs> he will give a speech too, like right in the middle of the... <laughs> Like, yeah, full yeah, villain. and just he's he is committed to the reality that he has created yes. in his head, and that's terrifying because that is ding 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 mental illness to me. Like, so you think that we can like use diplomacy with this guy? We can, you know, you're going to prevent nuclear war from happening by sacrificing all these people. What tells you that that's going to be effective? Like, just explain to me how that would make sense that we give him this one thing and. Like, there were reports of Russian fighter jets over Sweden today. It's it's yeah. not going to end. He's, he's already threatened Finland. He's threatening all these countries. Why? It's not Ukraine. Yeah. He's not going to stop. That's end all be all. No. He's not going to stop. You can, I mean, I'm just looking at his demands that he made, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. even if those were given to him, he still would not be satisfied. Because the long-term no. vision is to restore Russia to its national greatness. Whatever the hell that means to Putin, that is what the goal is. And yeah. that's what, like, he's not a rational leader. I think that's the word I'm looking for. He's not rational. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you give this, mm-hmm. and I understand that I also have to give something. Like, I understand that yeah. there's, like, diplomacy is There's both. a compromise. Right. And he, yep. absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, especially with the demands of, you know, just give me Crimea and I'll leave. You had Crimea. Like, there's not even a little bit that's like, hey, maybe he would. We've tried all of it. Right. It's all been tried. This is the end. Right. And I think um, that's something that I want to explain as well. And since, so you were there in 2014. Yes. So well, the first time I went to Ukraine, I, wrote, I arrived there in September 2013. Okay. And it was in November that the protest started. Okay. And I left there about the middle of December. So it hadn't gotten violent, but they had been okay. camped out on the square for a month. And it had been ongoing. And it had felt like it was building and building and building. And it was 
in in February. So I left December and it was in February that it really peaked and broke out. But that's the thing too, is it wasn't just that the month, it wasn't the two months of the conflict. It was again, all of this building, all this very reasonable, this is what we were asking you for. Here's all of our public support doing everything by the democratic book, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to explain what we're talking about. We're talking about Russia coming in and without getting into two specifics, because I don't want people to feel like they don't understand Russia coming in and taking back quote unquote land that they believe is theirs and people that they believe are theirs because they don't agree with the pro-Western ideas of Ukraine. And so taking or annexing land in Ukraine that Putin recognizes as Russians, but the international community does not. They do not recognize that. Um, So that's what we're talking about in 2014, what's going on. Which I was going to ask you too, is that I keep hearing and reading things that like the eastern part of Ukraine are more pro-Russian. And is that accurate? Or can you can you speak on that at all? Or Yeah, so it's, again, it's muddy, because you have propaganda that's spoiling right. the waters. But it's it's a mix of a couple of things. So the parts that he annexed that were on the eastern part, you have Luhansk, you have Donetsk, and they're both in the Donbass region. That has a land corridor that goes down to Crimea, which is on the Black Sea. It has a port. It's a very strategic position. So they took that slice. And while there are a lot of Russians and Ukrainians on both sides of the borders of Russia and Ukraine, they mix. I know Russians that live in Kiev. The people themselves have no issues with each other. Mm -hmm. They're with the propaganda. That's the problem is we don't know how much the people from the eastern side are getting the propaganda from Russia how many of them are believing it, but then also how many of them are Russian operatives sent over because it's, it literally sounds like a spy movie, mm-hmm. but the amount of people that they've been able to verify are Russian citizens, Russian soldiers in hiding. They come over, they've bought houses, they've bought property. And then when it's time, they voted and said, yep, we want to be Russia. I see. Yep, we're going to make our own people's republic. So they're not even, they annexed Crimea and then you have Luhansk and Donetsk, which are their own people's republic, quote mm-hmm. unquote. But again, you don't know how many people that are under duress, how many of them have moved in in 2014 to create this wave. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people that I know had friends and family in Crimea that had to leave because their Ukrainian passports, it was dangerous for them to be identified as Ukrainian for that same reason that you don't know who's military. And then you also don't know what people believe because that's this whole thing that's been the most dangerous part. So I guess that's interesting to me because... Obviously, Ukraine's trying to move forward to be a successful democracy. That's that's the end goal, right? So they can join all of these pro-Western, as Putin would put it, these pro-Western <laughs> countries, right? Have more freedom. Have, give their people freedom, right? So with that being said, I'm assuming like, and I, and it kind of sounds this way, that the borders are pretty open between the two countries. Um yeah to like support that that's that's part of being a democracy (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, so so that's interesting because it's like how are you supposed to combat that other than other than creating like a wall which that brings me thoughts of like germany you know like separating the two and how that separated families and loved ones like that separated my great grandma my oma from like her family (laughs) and it was dangerous Mm -hmm. to cross the wall and like that's like that's not what we want you know like so it's it's interesting and it makes sense now that you say it that there is a that they are mixed there because they've always been mixed it's always been that way yeah it just sucks that they have to border Russia (laughs) that just sucks so bad I I know (laughs) and that's kind of and that's what it feels like we're at the point of is okay, we let Russia exist and oppress their people for as long as we have, like, just don't. It doesn't feel like that can stay. It doesn't feel like he can stay in power and we can say, go back to Russia and keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because obviously that's not a solution. He's going to come back. He's going to do something else. Right. And that's why there are so many Russian people speaking up against it. Yeah. Now that have been afraid to speak up against it before, there's also this huge wave of Russians that feel empowered because the world is paying attention. Right. If that... If 100,000 Russian citizens went out and protested in Moscow, would we have heard of it? Would we have cared? Right. 
they would all go to prison for 15 years for no reason. So it's very impressive and brave that those people are taking yes. right now this chance. I think that has to be paid attention to because democracy is important in all aspects. Yeah. So what I've read is that Putin feels like he's the last Russian leader that will actually basically has the balls to do this. And I yes, is so brave enough. Right, right. That's just the words that I've been reading, I will say. What some analysts and correspondents have been reading from like what's going has been going on for years. And yeah. they're like, he feels like this is almost like his last stand because I Absolutely. think he knows it's not going to last. And so he thinks he's the last one that will actually restore. And that's kind of it's another he's mentally unstable. Like you can't think like that Absolutely. As, a, as a world leader. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, this, this was his last shot. If you just look at their presidential history, he's had a lot of sway. He's had a great chance to just do his backroom deals, not really have to worry about too much pushback. But I mean, from the people that I know in Ukraine and, and what I've read about Zelensky and heard from his own speeches, when Zelensky took over, that was some shots fired and some alarm raised for Putin because Zelensky came in and said, look, I don't know what I'm doing, guys. I want democracy, essentially. Help me out. We're going to do this together. Mm -hmm. I don't and was totally transparent. And he has pulled them forward and he's given a lot of people what they want. And he has expressed so much support and so much desire for what everyone else has wanted since 2014 when they first started asking. We want to be in the EU. We want to be in NATO. Yeah. We're done. We don't want to have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, the timelines really make sense there, too, now that you've said that when he's been elected to kind of how tension building with uh, Putin, like and feeling like, oh, shit, like it's about to happen. I mean, a legal demand of saying, hey, don't let this country join when they have a history. It's like I, uh, that whole thing well, that sense. annoyed me. That annoyed me so bad <laughs> when I read that someone yeah. someone posted on social media. They were like, do you know what Russian was or Russia was demanding before the invasion? And then the next slide was, if you don't know the demands, then you shouldn't be talking about the war. And I was like, what are these oh. demands? And so I looked at the demands and I was like, like, I'm sorry. I was like, he was asking ridiculous stuff. And someone who is American should hate what he was doing. <laughs> like, Absolutely. He was know. building up his own propaganda that made sense to him and his people so that he would be justified. Right. He was building his alibi. Exactly. So that he could get it's, ready. It's and it's so, so clear. Yes. Yes. Um, so obvious. So uh, something else I wanted to ask you. So are you fluent in Ukrainian, Russian? What do you? Nothing. You just know some no, stuff. No, so I speak I speak enough <laughs> Russian to gather context. Yeah. Um, obviously, after the events of this week, my life goals have shifted a little <laughs> bit. That will be a very large focus of like, get my ass in gear. We got to go learn. We got to get really fluent in these things. And I wish that I knew more. I've been so lucky to have great friends that have amazing English and have brought me in, shared with me, taught me more stuff. Yeah. But they are fluent. They have been translating so much for me this whole throughout this whole thing. That's so awesome. Gosh, it just is like ugh, we don't realize like how blessed we are to have people that are in a freaking war zone being like, here, translate this so people in America can understand what's going on here. Like, yeah, yeah. So I can get people on Instagram to care about you. I need you to tell me what this says. Oh, it, it says they bombed an animal shelter. OK, great. Now they'll care. Right. Like, but I mean, yeah. if you don't understand the language and you're just seeing buildings being bombed, you can disassociate from that. Your brain has yeah. to take in that knowledge so you can Absolutely. you can relate to it. And uh, language okay. is powerful. Whether I mean, language is so powerful. Words are powerful. So is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, no, I'm I'm free. I'm here as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want me to just start going through my stuff? Yeah. Or okay, the first thing I want to go over is terms, names, titles, um, and I want you to jump in here too because there's even some stuff on here that I didn't uh, fill out yet. It's kind of in my brain, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I wanted to go over Ukraine. The capital is is it Kiev? Yeah, Kiev. So that's Kyiv. the K Y I V. Okay. So the K I E V is the Russian translation gotcha. and then the ky is the ukrainian okay i feel like people need to know that because that is kind of I, I watched a, um i watched a live thing today 
the Secretary of Defense, I think, is who was speaking. And he was talking about how they're taking over where the Russians are moving in. They're taking over around the capital of Ukraine because that okay. is that is really where Putin's trying to go. Now, I, w- I do want to say this, too. They're they're moving in, but they have not taken any cities. That is the yep, most recent correct. update. They haven't taken any cities. And that's 5.30 p.m. on March 2nd. So things change Seven days. quickly. I know. Their flag is two equal parts, uh, horizontal parts, blue on top, yellow below. Do you have any, like, because I know it's something with the fields and, like, the blue sky, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's the land. It's tying back into the land. The gold is the golden wheat fields. Um, the wheat symbol is really big for them as they are a huge ag- agricultural experts. So it's those golden fields and the blue skies just paying homage to their country. Which is so cool because really when you look out, even in Nebraska, compared to like the yellow wheat here in the blue sky, I'm like, I can just see it. You know, it's really cool. So central Ukraine has some of the most fertile soil in the world, which a lot of people when this started, they were like, well, that's why Russia wants it. I'm like, it's so much more than that, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a piece. That's a little tiny piece of yeah. the pie. <laughs> Oh, my phone's ringing. <sighs> Hang on. I don't even use, like, my home phone. I don't know. <laughs> you have a landline. I'm impressed. You're an adult. <laughs> my husband literally has it strictly to give to people, like, that don't don't need our cell phone numbers. <laughs> so. That's brilliant. We have a landline. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> okay. So, Ukrainian is predominantly spoken, and Russian is an important minority language, which I thought was really interesting i had no idea i mean people ask me they're like well what do they speak there i'm like well ukrainian i was like but i know i know there's russian influence so it was cool to see kind of a graph and you can look this up i'm gonna post um links of where i got all this information so everybody can go take a look for themselves and so i thought it was interesting as well that on a on and off again when Russia has taken over kind of Ukraine or parts of Ukraine, they try to force the official language to be Russian. Um, and so that's yep. been a fight uh, in the government. And so which makes me sad because <laughs> I'm like, if predominantly like over 50 percent speak Ukrainian, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, erasure. That's really the only reason, yeah. right? Is you know you're Russia forget about what you used to be assimilate right right so especially when you hear the difference yeah. like Ukrainian is sing-songy it is beautiful I love Russian too but you can tell the difference once you get used to it and it is I can't imagine killing that other one off I why would you want to do that I will never understand why you'd want to shut down someone's language like language again is powerful and important absolutely so russia is a very important trade partner to ukraine um but ukraine also trades with germany italy poland and other eu countries and to add to that list outside of europe china turkey and u.s all they all trade with uh ukraine now this is an important thing to remember when you're talking about joining places like the eu UN NATO this is something you have to keep in mind because Ukraine has for a long time has been trying to move out of and out from under the thumb of Russia for a long time and part of and I'm going to go into this part of becoming NATO which is really the most important aspect of this um, being a part of NATO you have to be basically independent economically um and so this is something that they've been working towards and so that's very important to remember um and there's two big things that everybody talks about with nato and this is something that's on the forefront of everybody's mind is article four and article five are you aware of this caitlin vaguely i'm excited okay cool <laughs> good i got an audience you know yeah sucky oh, it is re- even if record. i know it i'm ready <laughs> You can always learn something new, I feel like. Um, Yeah, I love it. Okay, so there's two big things, Article 4 and Article 5. And so what you want to remember is Article 4 deals with threats. Article 5 deals with attacks. That's the two difference. So four first, then five. Threats and then attacks. It's an easy way to remember it. But Article 5, it was signed in 1949. Uh, The members agreed that armed... an armed attack against one of them will be considered an attack against them all. And that's why they're called the allies. When you're talking about NATO allies, that's why. That word has a lot of weight. 
and you won't hear currently you will not hear that Russia is allied with China China is like because if someone attacks Russia China is not going to show up so ally is a very important word and it's not used lightly so that's something that you'll start to notice as you listen to more news or read news if someone said they're allied with something that is a big deal um, especially on a world international scale. Um, mm-hmm. How it is determined, though, because it's not necessarily like Article 5 doesn't get invoked and we automatically send our military over. Every country, right. all of those members, those 30 members, get to decide how they are going to respond based on their individual needs, assets. They they get to decide how they're going to assist. And I think that's important um they don't necessarily have to use armed force now they can they absolutely can if article 5 is invoked but any action that's deemed necessary they will do and so that's kind of so article 4 has already been invoked right so after um after the attack happened poland estonia latvia and lithuania they invoked article 4. so this means that members will will consult together If in the opinion of any of them that territorial integrity, political independence or security of any parties is threatened. So as soon as there was an invasion in Ukraine, these countries that surround, if you remember what we went over Ukraine, it's bordered by a lot of countries. These countries felt threatened. They felt that their land was being threatened, their their political, their independence, all of that was being threatened. So they invoked Article 4, which means that the members come together and we decide what we're going to do, right? And so that's why the State of the Union, Biden said that we are sending resources to Ukraine, right? Mon- it, it mostly sounded like monetary. Um, yeah. But that is why you won't see at least the U.S., and I don't think any NATO member at this point, Um, any military personnel will actually be fighting in Ukraine because if basically what that is going to look like is it would be if the if the U.S. went over there and they decided to fight Russians on Ukraine soil that would be U.S. and Russia no one's going to come to our aid (laughs) yep Um, and so that's why this is so important because I've seen a lot of people like well why don't we do something well a question you have to ask yourself is do you believe that the U.S. is the world's police, right? Or do you think that we should also, because I just, for me, I feel like if you're going to make these alliances and you're going to make these relationships and you're going to make these contracts with people, it wouldn't mean anything if you if you just went, you know, ran running into the fire. <laughs> it means a lot yeah. less. We want to utilize strategically those alliances, right? So we're going to wait until Russia attacks one of the alliances or does something against one of the alliances. And I mean, Biden already said it. He's going to see the full force of what yeah. we're going to do. He already said it. And yeah. so they're preparing for it. But I think people need to understand there's a lot that comes into that first. And so That's basically NATO. Those are the big things you need to know about NATO. It's an organization. Now jump into the short, long history that I like to call it because we're going to keep it short. But is there anything you want to talk about terms, names, titles wise? Putin obviously is uh, an official leader in um, Russia. And Zelensky, is that his last name? President Zelensky? Yep. He's the president of Ukraine. Yeah. So those are two big. So he has been the president He's been the president since May 2019, so he's been in there for a little bit. He's had a little bit of time to get going, and I think that's also important to remember that all the Russian aggression didn't start ramping up, you know, just in the last week. It has been months of slowly building, and some of the, with the EU, they have been working on it for a long time. So one of the things that the EU did grant to Ukraine was they dropped their visa regulations. So prior to that point, if you wanted to leave Ukraine and go anywhere in the European Union, you had to apply for a visa first. You had to have all of your paperwork. It was really, really restrictive. Right. And once they dropped that, they were able to get their biometric passports. And that was a huge door opener in itself. And so that was just the beginning of them going, we really, really want the EU. What's a biometric passport for all the people who don't really travel between countries? So... <laughs> 
Yes, that's true. So the biometric passports are just, if you have a United States passport, they will slide it, they will scan it, and they can pull up all of your information, verify it, and get you on your way. As opposed to when you have a old school passport, you have to have your separate information that goes, I'm a citizen, I'm not going to leave and run away, blah, 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 blah. You have to explain all of your travel plans to it. So as opposed to just, here's my passport, let me in. Okay, I see. Yeah, when I was preparing to go to China to visit my friend for her wedding, um, that was something that you had to do to get into China, which I think this is everybody. It's not just you, you know, Americans. But when you go to a country like that, right, you have to get a visa. You have to get it from a Chinese embassy. You have to explain where you're going to be staying, for how long you're going to be staying there. You have to say, I'm going to go here on this day and here on this day. You have to report all of your movement um, and basically say, like, you're not going to mess with their citizens, basically. The beautiful thing that I get (laughs) is that my friend is a Chinese citizen and she was going to write me a letter to be like, hey, she's cool. Mm. My worry is my background. (laughs) Because I have my bachelor's in um, political science and a minor in criminal justice, which they're going to look at and they're going to hate. Great. I am outwardly a Christian, (laughs) which they also hate. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm just stuff that they don't want. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be welcome there probably, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. (laughs) Fingers crossed for you <laughs> <laughs> when it happens. Um, so anyway, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, you can just mm-hmm. cross the borders easily. The big thing I want to say, though, is this is still a developing democracy. This is they've <laughs> been independent for 30 years. That's I'm almost 30. <laughs> like, yeah. They've barely been independent. They've been independent Mm -hmm. since 1991, August. I was literally born August 1994. So it lines up, right? So this is, it's a baby country. The same way that I say the U.S. is a baby country, this is a newborn. (laughs) Yeah. Can we look at where the U.S. was 30 years in? Exactly. That's where it's at. Exactly. So they have a lot of work to do, but they are moving forward. Yeah. When I was studying political science, that was something we talked about a lot, uh, is What is our goal as the U.S.? Is it to make other countries a democracy or for us to focus on being the best democracy? And it was something we argued about all the time. But I'm like, I feel like if people want to be a democracy, we should help because like we're kind of at the forefront of it. So (laughs) we're preaching it. We need to turn around and help bring people over. Exactly. We can't just sit here and go, we have the best system of government. Good luck. (laughs) We have the resources, but hopefully you get there one day. Right. (laughs) We close the door behind us. Long-winded, let's get into the short, long history, right? So Russian forces invaded uh, eastern Ukraine in 2014. This is what we were talking about before with the annexing these certain parts or part, this whole part of uh, Ukraine. It was claimed to be in defense for Russians who lived in that area. People or Russians who don't support the new pro-Western government. So you'll always hear Putin refer to the rest of the world as the West. (laughs) Yes. Basically, we're the West, quote unquote. Um, This invasion in 2014 was used to claim part of Ukraine. Literally, Russia took land and the international community, again, does not recognize this as being separate. But the territory claimed uh, has been controlled by Russia since 2014. And so due to this war, due to this separation, if you will, War has been waged between Russian-backed forces in these areas and the Ukrainian government. Um, And there was a peace deal made in 2015, but the fighting still happens. Yep. A lot of, it was said that a lot of the large-scale things have toned down, but they're still fighting. That's what I read, at least. Yeah, it was constant. There was always armed forces there. Taxes have been higher in Ukraine for years to support this ongoing conflict. Mm. (sighs) And I don't know if you were going to talk a little bit about the Maidan revolution. No, go ahead. At all? Okay. So I think it's important because immediately prior to the Crimean annexation in that fall winter of 2013, if if you get on Netflix, you can watch Winter on Fire. I wanted to pop in here really quick and just tell all of you that Netflix has made Winter on Fire available for free. So if you don't have access to Netflix, don't worry. You now have access to that documentary uh, for free and you can 
kind of get an idea of what's been going on in Ukraine and what that looks like for the Ukrainian people. And that delves into a lot of the details and specifics in the background. But the short story is the president was Yanukovych and he had already caused a revolution in 2008 for rigging an election. Okay. They had a revolution. They pulled him off of that, got somebody else in. Then they reelected him intentionally. And as he was the president, he slowly went more and more steering towards Russia, towards getting on board with that agenda, while also telling the people, we support democracy. Yep, we want to go west. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So in 2013, they had been working with the EU on trade agreements, on getting closer and closer and closer. And then Yanukovych switched. He said, yep, we're not interested in pursuing that anymore. Actually, we're going to go heavier with Soviet trade deals. That was when people started protesting. That was when the big push to join the EU started because it was a huge step backwards and everyone took to the streets to get that resolved. And that is what ultimately ended up in the Crimean annexation and Yanukovych fleeing to Russia when it was finished. That was the build to that one. Okay. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Ah, The story repeats itself many, many times in the story. There's always going to be Russian influence unless Putin is stopped. That's basically because he's not going to stop because his agenda is to reunite this USSR. That's the that's yep. always will be the agenda. So again, like we were talking about, even though we give, he's still going to take and take and take and take until he gets this vision that accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the that revu- revolution and the annexation, that's the... The U.S. and the Allies started putting more sanctions on Russia because they realized that, again, this this annexation of these regions were not they're not recognized by everybody in the world. They're recognized basically by Russia and they live in their own world, really. Yeah. And I think another important thing is the wording. So Luhansk and Donetsk are two regions within the Donbass. So you'll hear all of them. Donbass is the bigger region. Luhansk and Donetsk are within. And if you look at the Soviet Union, it is Luhansk, People's Republic, Donetsk, People's Republic. Right. There are all these republics that just want to join Russia. He is creating the USSR mm-hmm. all over. Mm-hmm. It's already in action. Right. Yep. Uh, and I think that's what's crazy is he's always his agenda has always been this. His his actions have always been towards that. And it's interesting how the rest of the world has kind of reacted to that. That's what I find most interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. So what Putin is trying to do is exactly what we just rolled into, right? So Putin still views Ukraine and the former countries that were a part of the Soviet Union as Russian. That's his view of them. His long-term vision has always been to, quote unquote, restore Russia to national greatness. That is a quote from Putin. Uh, He doesn't want Ukraine to become successfully independent, Uh, There is a big worry on his part, quote, that a functioning, successful, prosperous democracy in Ukraine poses a direct threat to his rule because it will give people in Russia the idea that they, too, could enjoy what Ukraine enjoys and rise up against his rule. Straight from a new site. Accurate. (laughs) Right? Like, he's laying it all out for us. Yes. um, That's, that's, he's very worried about them becoming independent and it being harder for him to get a hold of them. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, His demands when this all started and he wanted legal guarantees. Now, (laughs) legal guarantees and demanding something. This is this is serious that he wants something like this. Right. So that NATO's military presence presence be reduced mainly in Poland, Romania, Hungary and Slovakia. He he basically wants NATO to back off, right? Why would he want that? Let's just think. Sounds reasonable. You want our military to reduce at your borders? I mean, okay. <laughs> um, Who could have guessed that? He's not even a part. He's not even a member. That's what the other thing that cracks me up. Um, that Ukraine being denied joining NATO. If they were to join, that would be six NATO countries bordering Russia, which is very concerning for him. Uh, something that is interesting and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with how Putin is is how Putin is I'll just leave it at that um yeah (laughs) Putin uh has linked the current crisis the war 
uh, to Russia's demands on NATO. He wanted them to stop expanding east. He accused the U.S. and NATO of ignoring him and blames the West, blames the West for the crisis. This isn't Russia. There's no blame on Russia in Putin's mind because he said, well, I made these demands, right? It's just what you said, Caitlin. I made these demands. You didn't do them. So now this is the result, right? So it's just like, it's just like when you're disciplining a child, right? Like I asked yeah, you to Yeah, and this. it's more than that. Right. Yeah, it's the, no, it's, it, I don't have a choice. I don't want to fight. This is NATO's war. This is what they're inciting. Mm-hmm. I'm just the victim here. And I think what's most concerning and and it's what concerns me a lot is the propaganda and the misinformation that is being sent to the Russian people. This is the thing that really upsets me because these are people that do have a voice and they do have a choice to go protest and do these things, but they don't have access to the information. This is something that I feel like Even though we do in the U.S. get a lot of misinformation because we have freedom of speech, God forbid, we have freedom of speech. There is stuff and there is propaganda that gets put out and everything, but you can go research and do more for yourself and do your due diligence to find out if it's real or not. You can believe whatever you want to, really, but the Russians don't have this luxury, and that's something that is super important, and because... Putin and his officials have noticed that the U.S. and all these other European countries have started to tag location-wise Russian places and Russians are getting a hold of this information, especially young people who get all of their news from social media now. They're starting to lock down TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. And so they're limiting still more how these people are getting information. And I think there was a... a news correspondent that was talking about how she opened up a Twitter discussion, basically like what are things that you're concerned about? And something that she made note of, and I think it's important for people to know too, is for the past 10 years, Putin has been putting a lockdown on information um, and getting on people who speak out about the government, right? He's been arresting them, reprimanding them things like that so for 10 years people have now take a step back from the news because they're like i don't want anything to do with this i because i don't want to get in trouble i want my family to have me around whatever that might look like for them right and so now all this is happening they're afraid to to watch the news (laughs) because they don't want to say or do anything they're not supposed to i mean and i read an article about how there was like it was someone's neighbor in one of these apartment buildings got a knock on their door from government officials saying, hey, uh, we hear you're not a fan of our government. And Mm. their neighbors went onto their social media, like all this public information, and they never said anything about the government. And so they're like, Mm -hmm. why is this happening? So that's even scarier. This person got taken away to God knows where. And they didn't even do anything. So it's also he's fearful. And that's why a lot of this is happening as well. But it's also the citizens aren't going to take too much more. It's not going to take very long before they get fed up with everything that's happening. And especially when when they continue to find out that they're being lied to. So so, yeah, it's uh, that honestly, that is most concerning to me that they cannot get correct information and they do not know where their military is going. That is very upsetting to me. Um, And it makes me like, it's a hill I will die on. (laughs) I 100% will die on. The fact that their military personnel, their loved ones who are in the military are are being fed information and their families are being fed information and then they go and put their lives at risk and they don't actually know what's going on. That's really upsetting to me. So. Yeah, I think it's a good hill to die on. And I think it's a perfect example of you can't say this entire nation is evil. You just can't do that. Mm-hmm. He had to take 10 years to build up enough support that this would actually happen. And like you and I are the same age. Imagine we find out the last 10 years of what's been on the news and on the internet. You can't trust. That's like your adult life. Yeah. All of that stuff is gone and you have no idea. That's terrifying in and of itself. And yeah it's it's becoming a breaking point i i don't know how much longer 
people are going to take it. And I don't think, I think the only reason he's been as, su- as successful as he is, is because of how well he's played this game. And it's been shown to the world and especially in the U.S. as, you know, Russia. This is Russia. It's Putin's Russia. It's his decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have the choice right now to either say, I believe all humans want to be free. Most of us are good people. Most of us just want to support our families and live our lives. And they can't be different. And then you can get on and immediately see all of this information about, you know, Russian soldiers calling home to their moms, crying, telling them what's happening. Mm -hmm. The Ukrainian government has set up to have phone lines for POWs to call home because they want it to get out so badly. They just released um, a statement saying that they will release POWs to their moms if their moms come down Mm -hmm. to Ukraine. They will give them right back and they can go home. But they're going to have to come down and see what's happening for themselves. Just all of these things, all of these little tiny pieces have amounted to so much. And there would never have been 100,000 troops at the border of Ukraine if Russian citizens, sons, mothers, daughters understood what was happening. It's crazy and it's hard to fathom that the Internet can be locked down. But it can. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I know that's something that blew up in this last election year is... Oh, fake news. Okay, yes, but there's also real news here. And mm-hmm. again, you can you can go get a hold of that information. You have the ability to do that. And I think that's what people don't understand is because people are like, well, aren't Russians free? No, bro. No. Honestly, there's very few countries that have true freedom the way we are. Mm-hmm. We really do. Um, mm-hmm. And I encourage you to look that up. But um, just experiencing... You know, I I have two friends that we met on our honeymoon four years ago that are Russian citizens. Um, and I've seen them. I've seen their lives in Russia. They live in the capital. I've seen them have a son. I You know, and I feel even though we haven't been in proximity to each other since four years ago, I feel very close to them. Like it was a very exciting time in my life and we got to meet them and it was really a great time. I I really love them and I haven't seen them on social media at all. And I'm frankly afraid to reach out at all because I don't I don't want to get them in trouble. Not when they have a young son. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel like I endangered them at all. Um, Yeah. And so I can only imagine like what they're going through. I wanted to provide a little update. At 2 a.m. on uh, March 3rd, I heard from one of my friends in Russia, and they let me know that Russian young and modern people understand everything, that they're against the war, and they're going against the president. They go to rallies, and they plan to leave Russia because we are against the government. Uh, They don't listen to the Russian people. We don't want war. We want peace. Um... I can't stress enough how much of a relief it was to hear from them, but also to know that how brave they're being. Um, and so I will keep uh, everybody updated uh, as I hear more information. Um, I know that there are no flights uh, in and out of Russia at the moment. Uh, and so I am just praying for their safety and that they are able to leave if they're doing that currently or to stay and that they remain safe if they decide to stay and so uh just keep them in your prayers and so that's been concerning as well as my friend that i have in china i feel like i can't talk to her right now because uh-huh. of everything that's going on and as much as i want to ask her about it and i know 100 percent she would tell me what she feels about it i don't want to put her in a situation yeah so yeah it's when you when you haven't experienced it yourself and you have to actually get your own v- VPN to protect the information that you send out, you don't understand. Yeah, it's it's a whole different world. And I think that in the U.S., we've a lot of people have gotten too big for their bridges and have gotten used to just saying things that sound tough, but breaking it down into the ability and no, these are the repercussions. It is not this this cool, badass thing to just say that you hate the guy. Like, your life is over. Mm-hmm. that's where it's at it's not that people don't want to be free it's not that people aren't quote-unquote patriots it's life or death in a lot of these situations and in china right now i have had friends that have relatives that are ukrainian in china that have had officials knocking at their doors asking them questions they know where they're at they're keeping an eye on them mm-hmm. 
And it is very dangerous. I mean, even people, people that I know in Ukraine who have relatives in Russia are saying that their family doesn't believe them. Mm. Their brothers, sister reporting back, they don't believe what's happening. That's how strong that lockdown is. That's how strong when you get into the psyche of those people and that many of them, it's terrifying. It's a huge issue. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> there's so, so much. much. And even though I haven't been to any of these places, I still have, I still understand. I do understand to some extent. Like I I can't imagine what it would be like, but I am have an understanding, a basic understanding of how these people's freedoms are not freedoms. Um, truly they feel they might feel free that they can live every day and go wherever and whatever but it's not truly not when you're being watched really being watched and monitored and that they could just show up at your doorstep anytime I mean us recording this oh we would be so fucked (laughs) right we would get off the phone and we'd be gone like no one would hear from us again exactly Exactly, which I told my friend that I do the podcast with, Alex. I was like, I want you to know that I've been putting my name on it because in the event that something happens, I will be going straight to jail. <laughs> but you have all the information, so you'll know. But And it doesn't have your name on it. I'll take full responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like, in, in oh. the event that something crazy happens, I will be in jail 100%. Right? So you know where I'll be. Yeah. After 2020, I think all of us are like building in these little contingencies. Like, I never would have thought this was real, but now I have to be prepared just in case because everyone's insane and we have no idea what's going to happen one day to the next. Like, there could be a once in a decade crisis tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I know. What a crazy life. Only 28 years old and we've had this kind of... (laughs) And boomers want to make fun of us for having anxiety like fuck you dude (laughs) I can have anxiety all I want thank you very much well like you want me to not have anxiety when I was born and you guys were like this is all your fault like how how dare you you ruined this great economy like I couldn't even vote what are you talking about how could I be the downfall (laughs) also you've raised us I'm like this is yeah this is all your fault what are you doing Uh, it's so hard for me because I just see things from like every point of view so people are like are you you know what side of the line do you fall and I was like I feel like I'm walking the line and once sometimes I jump over here and sometimes I jump over here it just kind of depends on what the issue is for me like some things I'm very democratic and some things I'm very conservative (laughs) but Mm -hmm. also things that affect my life like I'm gonna have an opinion on and it's hard for me to pick one way or the other like which I that's one thing that I admire about like the EU and European countries is they have so many political parties that you can literally pick a party that you 100% align with which I think is very cool but it also makes voting very difficult um yes we have it easy here (laughs) When it comes to voting, uh, it's because it's complicated over there. And I'm not even going to get into that. Maybe one day. Thanks so much. Um, I know we went over a lot of information. I'm pretty sure I went over everything I wanted to. Did we cover everything that you wanted to? Oh, there was just the one one thing I find very interesting. Because mm-hmm. we know that Ukraine became an independent in 1991. There was a massive revolution in 1990 called the Granite Revolution. Okay. That was the first time there was that revolution and they it was again another example of there was always active fighting they had tents in independent square and that's where that started so throughout every other revolution they've had in kiev they have tents on the on down those streets and that's what started it was even before they were out of the soviet union yeah because that's when that sounds like that revolution is when they declared their sovereignty (laughs) in 1990 no so so that one was they tried to yes they tried to declare their sovereignty it didn't work it didn't end up happening, but then when the Soviet Union dissolved and they were able to start pulling it. Crazy. So that was, again, it's never one thing. It's this huge build right before, this huge build right before, and then we see headlines of yeah. like, by Crimea. But for people trying to understand the build before the peak, right? Just like read any book, there's always a build up before the climax of the book and then it goes down. Many, many prayers to all the leaders, Putin including, because 
there needs to be reason, something that penetrates this heart of his because he's his heart has been hardened toward the world and that needs to that needs to end um and then just prayers for protection because because i know i mean just seeing the resolve of the people and the leaders that have stepped up in this situation god's hand is over this um because i see it every time i look at the news every morning but um still prayers over that because it's it's it it has to end Thanks so much. It was awesome. Yeah, I'll be resharing everything. Thank okay. you for doing this. I love yeah. it. So that's all I have for you. I will be updating, posting more episodes as I see fit. Things are changing rapidly every day. And I want to stay diligent on making sure information is being uh, projected out. And so if I need to do another episode explaining more things, more information. I am happy to do so. This is something that is near and dear to my heart. Please leave comments, message me if there's something you do want to see, if you have questions about and let's talk. Uh, I would absolutely love that. Uh, That means that this information is reaching people Um, and please be sure to share this with other people, especially part one. Part one, I think, is most important. That is what I get the most questions about is just wanting basic information, wanting basic history. And I think part one gives a lot of foundation for that. And so if you see people or hear people struggling with that and you've listened to part one, uh, or if you just listen to this one, please feel free to share with them. You can share links. Just tell them, you know, a flick pod. It's like the most recent episodes. They can literally find it anywhere. And let's get more people, you know, some information that they're desperately needing. And so that's it for me. Please let me know if you would like more information on anything. I uh, want to be a beacon of, you know, truthful information, non-biased information as much as I can and stay safe out there.